So today we're talking about the business of drugs on Netflix, hosted by former CIA agent Amaryllis Fox, uh, where she breaks down the price of drugs and why they cost as much as they cost and how they travel mostly to our country. And I thought the show was totally fantastic. We're just talking about the first episode because there's so many episodes that we could talk about and we want to just focus in on cocaine. Episode one of the business of drugs, cocaine. To start with, who's done cocaine? I have not had the. Uh, do, do I do I say pleasure? Do I, what do I say here? Um, yeah, I, I haven't done it. <laughs> no, if, if not, I mean I know people who have, and it's funny when you know the the thing that people talk about with with the long um, was it? I guess it's your yeah, it's your pinky, long pinky nail. I oh, did yeah. not know that was supposed to be a tail until I was in New York. Well, whenever we cut our baby's nails, we just talk about his coke nail. So he's definitely, he definitely is doing cocaine. <laughs> he's sharp as a nail, man. He's up all night. He's like, can't stop talking. Definitely on cocaine. I did cocaine once in New York. Uh, it was definitely the type of cocaine that they describe in business of drugs where they're like, yeah, it's cut with gasoline. It's cut with all these awful chemicals because it didn't feel good in any way. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I am here to tell you, not worth it. Your pleasure centers were not entertained, I'm guessing. No, they were not activated. <laughs> and then I also arguably did cocaine in, in Peru, depending on what you consider cocaine. Because when I went there, they have this stuff, coca tea, which is made from the same plant, but mm. it's like really literally watered down. Um, and that stuff was absolutely amazing. Like I was walking around like super happy for three days and I was like, why am I so energetic? Like, why do I, why am I in such a good mood? And then I was like, Oh, cause I'm, I've been doing cocaine. Like, I've been oh, doing pure Peruvian cocaine, but it's not like real cocaine. It's like, it's like semi cocaine. It's like a third or a fifth as powerful as straight cocaine. You know, I guess the thing about this show. So my, my, goofy self i watched everything i, I saw oh, wow. a whole uh series um you know you kind of forget that these drugs in their natural state are not what i mean tech i know like you know we we and, and the show even makes a difference between sin, what we consider synthetics versus other drugs but all these things are actually synthetics really outside of weed they all have some additional steps to get to you know the state that they reach by the time they're in their final phase and in the uh market the way they're sold um and and that's always really interesting so like with the coca plant there's this whole process of stuff and like you said they mentioned all these additional chemicals including gasoline i'm like you just kind of forget you know there's like this whole chemical process and and you know expertise behind it and, and it's really fascinating to see that and just the economics and, and just the whole distribution setup. It's really incredibly complicated. Right, right. I mean, if you, if you ever watch Breaking Bad, you know a little bit about the science behind meth. Yeah. That's, not, that's definitely a, a breaking down of chemicals and the whole, you know, drawn out process and so such and so mm -hmm. forth. But it's just, I don't know. It's just, I remember when I was watching it, I was just thinking like in general, even though like these are like, of course, like illegal drugs, but just even like the legal drugs that we take, I don't know what's in that shit. Now when you say legal, can, uh, can you be more- uh, Like prescription drugs. 
you know, okay. mm-hmm. farm, you know, things that you get at the pharmacy and so on and so forth. Or even like uh, something as simple as like a, a can of Coca-Cola, yeah. you know, which um, I don't know how true it is. You know, everybody, grandparents said that back in the day they used to put coca leaves in the Coca-Cola and all that. Because they did. <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> Boy, it's on you. You were getting a half real cheap back then. <laughs> but it kind of scared me a little bit because you just really don't know what's in these drugs that we take, like on a daily basis. You just got to trust that the people that got together to make these drugs made it um, with the intentions on actually helping people, you know, and it and it's not okay. like some like nefarious conspiratory thing going on because it's just like you just would never know well the opioid episode i I wish we had at least mentioned that one too because that one's actually really fascinating because it does dive deep into um the fact that literally what we're talking about is um you know legal um ways to so you know doctors well, back I, in the day I, I know a pharmacist who says it's all heroin he's like, yeah it's that's all, the thing like it's, it's all heroin it's there's no difference between like the way they explain it in the way i've even heard prior to this there's no chemical difference between opioids and heroin like they they do the same thing to you yeah um and so they really break down how that occurred. It's like all this stuff of marketing and getting doctors to agree to and blah, blah, blah. And, and what, you know, the doctors knew it was, you know, and had huge concerns that, you know, handing out Oxycontin would lead to addiction. They said, oh, no, 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 no. It's not going to, you know, don't, don't worry about that, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they go in depth into it in an episode. But as you said, people are then trusting their doctors to tell them the truth. And through a lot of, you know, uh, you know, however you want to say it, they they marketed things in such a way where doctors were eventually like, okay, yeah, all right, sure. Like we'll tell people to take it. And then it led to this addiction crisis, that addiction crisis eventually leads to people getting to a point where they can't afford the addiction anymore. And then they go to heroin because it's cheaper. But once you yeah. put that needle in your arm, it turns to this whole other thing. Now you're searching for that high. And then eventually people get the fentanyl, which is 50 times more potent than heroin. Wow. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and it it's it's crazy how much I mean common sense wouldn't tell like how much how many people in the, around the world worldwide loves to get high like and would go you know pretty much all these drug enterprises are built up on the fact that everybody you know buys into these you know enterprises. It also made me think about like how many businesses even in the United States that exist primarily off drug money. Yeah. Like, like, what are you thinking out there? Huh? Name, name the specific businesses and, uh, we'll call them <laughs> I, I get, yeah, you got, you got one, of, like, yeah. we'll want to, like, give, like, an example you're thinking I'll, of. I'll I'll real, I don't think there'd be too many, um, <laughs> record labels if it weren't for good. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you're talking like, uh, no names. <laughs> no oh, names. look, look, no, some, some of it, some of it's been, been done already. So even if you look at, like, the BMF family. Uh, look, th- this is a done deal. Th- th- this case is done. This organization doesn't even exist anymore. But everything that happened when Young Jeezy and those guys, I mean, they were trying to launder the money through the music oh, industry and turn legit that way. According yeah. to Aaron, allegedly. 
<laughs> hey man, I got my information straight from uh from you know the one of the sources himself off Vlad TV. I won't name that, but you know, look, is what it is. He did a two hour long interview talking about the beginning to the end, um, and how they tried to launder the money that way. It, it's it's actually really interesting stuff, and and really actually, uh, what I was really fascinated by too was just understanding how like the logistics of it and how complicated it is to move the drugs from one yeah. place to another. Uh, that was, you know, pretty interesting to see how, you know, add the further you get it up the, the value chain, how yeah. much more expensive it becomes. Like it's more valuable where you actually intend to distribute than it is at its source. My favorite part of this, and I don't mean my favorite part as in I enjoyed learning it. I, I just, the part that I appreciated the most because it, this really had never occurred to me before was how stiff everybody gets except at the highest levels. I mean, the person who actually has to like sh- take it to the shipping spot, who's getting a couple hundred bucks and the guy who's getting paid not that much to stuff it inside of dolls and stuff like that. Like everybody along the way on, oh, for God's sake, the farmers, everybody along yeah. the way is getting abused and shortchanged and screwed over. And it's just like, I, I think, Amaryllis Fox makes the point at the end of the cocaine episode that you're just part of this chain of human suffering when you buy cocaine. Where but I guess the same thing could say you could be said if you buy a, an engagement ring. Yeah. Or I mean, conflict diamonds. Yeah. You know, so because I was thinking about that too, back to like what we all that we don't know. Like you buy a pair of shoes, you don't know, you don't know what it took to make them shoes. Well, yeah. fortunately, it is um, John uh, Oliver brought up over the weekend. I don't know if you saw it. I saw this latest episode, but, you know, the fact that so many places don't manufacture masks for, you know, COVID, there has been the use of slave labor from the, uh, oh my God, I don't want to say it incorrectly, but I believe it's the Uyghur uh, Muslims uh, in that region of China. They've been using, so they have these camps with re-education camps, they're calling them they're using those people as free labor. I mean, they're doing plenty of other cruel things too, but, but when you order masks, oftentimes it's coming from labor from these people who are under this sort of um, detention. And it's when you look for cheap product in in manufacturing um, and and you're going to say, okay, like that is profit margins, the most important thing or everything else. Sometimes in a distribution chain, you're going to see some really, really ugly stuff. Good God. See, I have this idea that legalizing drugs is kind of a quick fix to a lot of problems. Like, I love the Don Winslow novels. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who wrote, my God, he wrote so many good books. But Power of the Dog is probably my favorite one. I just finished The Kings of Cool. And one of the ongoing things in his books is that you're not paying for drugs. You're paying to get drugs across the border. So what you're actually paying for is the price of getting over this arbitrary invention that we all just agreed is a real thing and that the government enforces. There are like gargantuan jumps in value yeah. as it gets up the new value chain. Yeah. So the, the idea is that if we were just to legalize drugs and no longer have that um, you know, tax for getting things across the border, we'd have much less crime. We'd have much less suffering in that chain of human suffering. But as you guys are pointing out to me, like there's so many legal things that also involve the chain of human suffering that I hadn't really thought of. 
it's really depressing actually but like you know a lot of the different uh material used in electronics for um you know, batteries and things like that come from Africa. And if you go along the distribution chain, um, there were reports that came out, no, like around 2015, 2016, pointing out to Apple and all these other electronic companies that they're using child labor. And I mean, I'm talking children as young as four. We talked mining about protection. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, like, the, really just um, in capitalism, it, in globalization, it's hard to not bump into this. So the legalizing drugs wouldn't necessarily help at all. I don't know that it wouldn't help. It, it so the, the show's making the case through in each episode that prohibition may um, be causing a lot of different issues, and if it's legalized, all the different ways it can help. Now the weed episode kind of shows what happens when you kind of don't do it all the way, and you tax the businesses a little too hard. Hmm. And how that still leads to um, a market in the underground that, that's pretty uh, strong. Um, and you talk about synthetic weeds and all this other stuff. Um, I'm not well versed enough to to say whether prohibition would stop this stuff. I do think it would definitely help it to some degree, um, not be as strong a, a drug. But I mean, the one when they get into um, to the poppy um, product from Afghanistan and, and how that's impacted heroin going. Cause you know, so since basically us troops are in Afghanistan, it's a lot harder to use that route to mm-hmm. move drugs. So they've gone to Kenya instead. Really? Which has learned, led to a lot of other issues because Africa really hadn't dealt with hard drugs like that before. And now that they have to deal with it and they don't have, you know, really any setup previously to deal with, distribution at level they've now become like a global center in kenya specifically and it's led to all these other like it's it's actually really crazy because it does show what happens like the adaptation um when you force the underground to figure it out um they make new routes they you know find ways to make it happen i guess the question is always you know I guess it always starts with in the question that this show, and again, it's called the business of drugs, not, you know, called like, you know, helping individuals figure out why they get on drugs. But, you know, as Keith pointed out, like what even makes a person begin? And I I think like um, that, that's something that's interesting and worth, worth digging into. I mean, the business of drugs does a great job of definitely showing how the money moves though. They they explain too like the effects that these a lot of these drugs have on the brain. Yeah, like, yeah, they do a great job of that. Yeah, 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 and the feeling of pleasure and stuff like that. So, I don't, I don't. To be honest with you, I never done any hard drugs. You know, I stop at weed, but I don't really necessarily knock a person because they, you know, you know, dibbling and dabbling, you know, things like that. You know, but the problem is, is once you become addicted to it. But I also think you can become addicted to anything, you know. You come, you come addicted to eating um, goddamn packages of bacon all day, you know. And yeah, Joe Rogan thinks America has a problem with being addicted to video games. Yeah, and that could be a problem, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it could also affect you, you know, uh, physically and mentally and emotionally. Addiction to porn, to me, is, is a big thing, you know, worldwide in a sense, too. So I think you can really become addicted to anything and just like getting high, just like 
you know, playing video games or watching porn, there, there has to be some type of pleasure, pleasure principle there, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I had to quit alcohol. I mean, I quit alcohol eight years ago. And when I did, when I quit that, I quit everything else because I was like, if I smoked weed, I wouldn't be like, this is great. Give me more weed. I'd be like, Oh, I'm going to go drink. Mm-hmm. So like, I, it, it's kind of the idea of you have to stop every gateway. I know that people make fun of the ideas of gateway drugs, but I mean, it's real. I wouldn't have done cocaine if I hadn't done alcohol. If I wasn't drunk, if I'd been completely sober and someone was like, want to do cocaine, I would have been like, absolutely not. But I was like drunk <laughs> off my ass at the time. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So, I mean. Yeah, yeah. like, shit, I, I don't smoke cigarettes, but every once in a while, if I drink enough, I smoke a cigarette. <laughs> I, I don't mean, even like cigarettes. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, you'll just, you'll just do the opposite of what you would normally do because your brain is working in different ways than usual. And, you know, it's funny because I very rarely smoke cigarettes. I mean, for me, I smoke a cigarette if, like, it's a moment to network. That's about it. And other people smoking. Yeah, like, I, I, I also would have had to been drinking, too. Yeah, would, yeah. Like, when I was drinking, I would do stuff like, would it be funny if I did this right now? And it's like, mm. would it be f- darkly funny to me in some way to smoke a cigarette, which is something I would never normally do? So I'm going to do it. It's yeah. like it's one of the reasons I stopped drinking. It's just, I was just a dumber person. <laughs> yeah. Just like, uh... But it's, it definitely goes back to something in chemical makeup. It isn't a moral failing. It isn't, you know, you're a bad person. It's some people's brains are very responsive to certain drugs and some people's aren't. I mean, there's people who can drink as much as I drink and not have a problem with alcohol, but that's how my brain works. Yeah. I, I think that's, you know, it's interesting. I I have not seen a show yet. And, and you know, really, I'm sure some have done it. I, I just haven't been present for them, right? But um, I thought the show did a really great job of, in each phase, each episode, they, they tell you, like, how, like, what the drug does and, like, how it impacts you. Um, and, and those sort of chemical reactions that your body has and, like, what the brain's responding to. Uh, it is kind of fast they know like to really you know to kind of like try to take yourself out the moral um place of trying to judge folks for having you know taken drugs at all and just kind of think through okay like how does this like actually impact people and and, you know the the thing about the opioid one that had me tripping i just couldn't i just didn't totally understand this when people were taking opioids the way they that purdue uh, the company who kind of led the charge as far as like making this like a huge commercial success in America, they literally made sure you were on the drug 24 hours a day. So they would give you a dosage that lasted 12 hours. So like, they basically say you need to take this drug twice a day. Once, like, for example, right, once a day, you know, in the morning, once at eight at night. So you were just, you were never in a state where you weren't on heroin. That's in the episode they say that? Yeah. Wow. That's how they gave out the prescription. And then like what they would do is like, if somebody said, I, I think I'm starting to have like addiction tendencies, they would say, you're like, you're in pseudo addiction. They literally called it pseudo addiction. And then in order to, you know, get people where they needed to be right, they would give them a stronger dose. Jesus Christ. And tell them to take more pills. Right. I was like, that is some insane shit. This is insidious stuff. And that's how people were getting, you know, to the point where they were, getting sick and, 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 and pouring out all their money. Cause when they were going through, they were like, basically 
a lot of people who were fiends got to the point where they were taking like 10 pills a day, but 10 pills a day on the streets, like it's like each pill is like $30. So it's a $300 a day habit. So that's how people end up going to heroin because they can't afford it anymore. But also heroin got you higher quick. They said that too. Like, whereas the pills, mm. it would take like, what they say, like four hours? To, to I don't forget exactly how long, but yeah, I mean, like yeah. the, the needle, because it goes straight to your bloodstream, yeah. so it's well, different. The needle, it takes like 14 seconds. Yeah, you're like, boom, you're in there. And I'm sure every pharma company would say that if you take the drug the right way, it's not addictive and, you know, consult a physician and all that. So, right. you know, well, caveat. I'm, but but that's what's so interesting. So like when it comes to any of these drugs, like we're really dependent, as Keith was bringing up, on the, you know the trusted medical people who we go to let us know if something's safe. Yeah. Um, and so when somebody tells you something's not safe, like we, it's a Schedule One drug. Well, you know, it must not be safe. It's devil's grass, all that, right? right. And it's in the same you know <laughs> schedule as some of these things that are like much much harder. Um, just fascinating in a lot of ways. Uh, I really, if they do a season two, I'd love for them to give one to like the criminality part of it. Um, it, it, The show stays really focused on just like literally the business of drugs. It doesn't dive deep into like why these things are criminalized, certain drugs over others um, in such a way. Um, But the cocaine episode in particular was, was, you know, I remember watching it going like, damn, how'd they, how'd they get these people to trust them? Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like every episode, you end up thinking, they're like, damn, like, they, they deep in there. They're talking to, like, a farmer who's getting paid nothing, who's yeah. possibly giving up the whole operation. <laughs> I was assuming that they might have been, like, informants or something. Of course. I mean, no, no. Look, anybody who showed up, I don't give a name, they messed up or not. You, you, are, you are on Netflix. You are an informant. <laughs> You, you've worked with the CIA before. Perhaps, um, yeah. I couldn't even imagine like a regular drug dealer in Memphis sitting down with Netflix. I don't know. Something well, look, but like the guy they had, I, I can't remember if it was in Compton specifically. Yeah, yeah, the guy in LA where he's like, look, I only moved as much weight. So like, it's not that big a deal. No one's looking for me. That and guy, he didn't, he didn't like even, he even do like a voice modulator. He was just talking. Yeah. <laughs> that, wearing, so, that guy's like wearing a suit of armor. Like you could never have done it by that dude. Right. That shit was incredible. I like that he 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 played he played small on purpose though. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like um like to because he know like even if he does get caught, he's not gonna do that much time. Like, so like, so yeah. one thing that, that's really crazy. Yeah. So I was I'm been listening to this podcast called um the something I can't remember right now. Oh my goodness, bro. Shoot. Okay, I, I'll look it up later. Anyway, the the point they were making at some point, they were talking about this thing called Synanon and like these people who are addicts and they end up making them work for free and all that. So it was really, really Oh, is this the cult? Yeah. Well, I guess you can call them a cult. They they were start off as Synanon, then it became Cinecore. That's what's still here today. There's all this stuff behind it. But one thing they they mentioned about like uh Reagan signing all these things about making uh, these new drug laws is is the war on drugs started. They did something super slick. They were like basically, if you had crack cocaine, right? Uh, and I mean, it could be like this real tiny amount. I really wish I could remember the number, but it was like tiny, tiny amount. Um, then it was the same amount as being caught with a kilo of crack. 
I mean, of, of cocaine. So like if you, if you had a key, I mean, I said a kilo, if you had like, God damn it. I really wish I could remember the amount. But like, but like, it's the same with me and the border, like remembering the exact dollar amount. But like the big picture is all of our drug policy is so racialized in ridiculous ways where it's like opium is the dangerous Chinese marijuana mm. is the dangerous, you know, people from South of the border. Cocaine is the dangerous blacks in the inner city. And it's just, it's always, you know, it's based in some ridiculous stereotype and it's used to justify these terrible policies that put people away forever for doing the same thing that some pharmacists are doing. And actually, let me not say pharmacists because doctors are prescribing it. Well, you know, everybody ends up getting swept up when you look at how this opioid stuff ended up going on. So um, yeah, doctors are the ones prescribing, but uh, you know, there's just a lot going on, especially when we, you know, keep in mind that somebody got to make the opioids. The far- I know pharmacists who are like, Jesus Christ, I can't believe I have to do this. <laughs> like some of the things that they, that some of the orders that they have to fill, they're just like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's, it's a mess, man. Like I honestly kind of was blown away by like the, um, like when they talk about like the total amounts of these different drugs that are out and they, and they literally kind of give you these numbers um, from the, like I, a lot of them rely on either like the DA or like the United Nations numbers. So, I, you know, I feel like they're pretty reliable and they talk about like the number of users globally and how for all of these drugs, they're growing, like the user base is growing. Yeah. And uh, I mean, a lot of it's this connected global distribution chain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's just not a lot of ways to track this stuff. And oftentimes the way the money flows, like, for example, the, the what was really interesting about the uh, one on heroin was they were talking about basically there's this underground network of of technology that that people are using to send money back and forth and so basically you can go to some little you know essentially like what's their kind of bodega and you put in an order with some guy and then he contacts this dude in pakistan and he's like confirming all right this this is the price all right cool all right we're gonna pay that and then they just press some buttons and then the money goes from Kenya to Pakistan and boom. And then they're like, all right, the, now, now the whole transaction is taking place. Now they're going to start sending it. And then when they get it, they'll get the rest of the money. But it's like through, I mean, like it's not even dark web. It's like this other version of tech that like international bankers cannot track. Wow. It's crazy. Man, I was going to say, before I forget, I think one of the things that stood out the most to me uh, was and they kind of mentioned that some in some of the other episodes, but in the cocaine episode where they were talking about this, um, pretty much this this whole city and uh, I want to say in Mexico, where that's that's all everybody do is. Oh, Santa Cola. Yeah, and they pretty much everybody work in some way or another in the drug industry, mm-hmm. and part of it is because of the the poverty and like the the extreme lack of jobs, and it's just like completely in the culture of that city. And I would say, like, in the United States, you, you kind of feel like there's certain cities that's like that. But I think it's different. It's different than, you know, you can see that there is a job out there, but it don't pay that much to there may not be no jobs at all. So you work in the drug business and that's just what you do. And that you've been doing it since you were four years old or some shit. And that I, I don't I don't really know what the solution is to the drug problem. <laughs> But I know, I know poverty has to be the core of it because that's, I don't think anybody would 
would choose to live their lifestyle if they didn't have no other choice. Now, sometimes in the United States, people do, you know. Um, um, some people might start selling drugs because they just want to buy some, you know, get a new car, some J's, or they want to, you know, ball on some folks or something like that. But um, you also have people that they see no no other way. That's all they know, you know? Yeah, I mean, and it's fun. Like, there was one time they said, uh, I can't remember the, the I saw the, the, the reason I keep mentioning the Kenyan one, that was the one I actually saw most recently on heroin. But they said at one point, they were talking about, okay, how much is this worth? And the dude said 300000 I said, oh, my God. And then he was like, and that's 30 U.S. dollars. I was like, oh, my God. Like, it was like the, 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 the oh, maybe it's like 30000 of of whatever the, the currency is there. And he said, that's 30 U.S. dollars. I said, oh, wow, that is um, it's quite a quite a difference there. Because in your local currency like that, that's crazy. You know, it's crazy money. We forget how little money people make in most of the world. And, yeah. you know, drugs are sometimes just like so off the charts, more profitable than anything else. It's kind of just, it's terrifying, really. Mm-hmm. And the, the other part of it is we just, we have to start by getting past the idea that like people who are doing drugs are doing it because they're bad or because mm. they're weak or some whatever bullshit. It's like you have these receptors in your brain. It's very chemical. It's very genetic. A lot of times the people who are doing drugs are self-medicating because they're not getting the medical help that they need. So it's like, what is the root cause? I think poverty is a big part of it. I think mental illness is a big part of it. And we'd like to talk about everything, but the root causes because the root causes are boring and hard to deal with and like busting down doors and shooting people is I guess gets people's adrenaline flowing mm-hmm. well it, it's definitely a smoother political um, talking point that you're going to crack down on crime instead of hey let's get some jobs in here um, you know and, and oftentimes there are a lot of local politics involved that you know quite frankly it's hard to understand as an outsider. Yeah. Um, even in, as an outsider in a city where you live, you know, um, you know, yeah. there's so much talk about what happens in the inner city in America. And frankly, you know, I feel like a lot of people who even live in those cities got absolutely no clue. And, and I haven't lived in places like that in, in, in a while myself. And I, I wouldn't dare say I know what's going on right now and exactly what's driving people. But there is so much judgment on, you know, the, the folks who, you know, even got involved. It's like, why would you even start? And, and it's, you know, oftentimes it start with, starts with, well, I needed a way to eat. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and wasn't enough, you know, jobs around that were paying decently. So this is, this is where we go. Um, yeah, I mean, like I've ne- let's put it like this: I've never heard anybody being like, "I started my life as a gangster because the shit's fun." Except the beginning of Goodfellas. That's the only guy. <laughs> Ray Liotta. He's <laughs> <laughs> also, also a white man, so they, might, <laughs> they, they do dangerous stuff for fun. Um, but it, it no, but you're right. I'm glad you you mentioned like the Italian mafia because I was thinking about that too, like the transition from because when you think about it, 
the mafia, they kind of built themselves up a lot from prohibition, right? Mm. Oh, yeah. Illegal alcohol. So they went from that to all these other different um, illegal enterprises, whether it's extortion or getting into the casino business or, you know, whatever they can get their hands on. The mafia will try to, you know, get get their hands on. It made me think about that, too, where we talk about legalizing um, um, these drugs. Most of these people are just going to jump to the next thing because Mm -hmm. even... Even I forget which episode it was. They were saying how um, most of these people that's that's in the drug business, they don't. That's not the only thing they do. They got multiple sources of income. Hmm. You know, so it's kind of like organized crime is just it's just here to stay. It ain't going nowhere. Yeah. Yes, I mean root causes will probably be the thing to help, and I think you know. Um, one way to begin definitely is regulation um, to begin stemming the tide. But, you know, uh, th- I mean, I think it's a good place to start Un- understanding how those economics function and just giving people more of an awareness of, you know, what your purchase might be financing. Right. Um, but yeah, it's going to be hard to uh, stop organized crime until our criminal, I say criminal, I meant to say our robotic overlords come and, you know, fill the stimuli for us. Right. We'll see where that goes. <laughs> yeah. I, now, what are you going to say, Tim? No, you go ahead. And I was just going to make a point that it also seems, I don't know how this will work, but whatever jobs are offered have to be better than, you know, what a person can make on the streets, you know, risking their life, you know, selling drugs or whatever, or well, that's an American policy problem. Like if we're talking about it here, um, not to get too political, but you know, it was interesting hearing as coronavirus has been ravaging the country, um, and people were unable to return to work, and you heard conversations about well, paying people six hundred dollars a month in addition to the unemployment they had is frankly too much, and nobody wants to go back to work because they're sitting at home making more than they would uh at, at their jobs and i'm like that sounds like a wage problem to me yeah you, you want to help with that i mean maybe maybe we look at that um, yeah people shouldn't be making more sitting at the house but you know that is i mean we haven't moved the minimum wage in forever i mean like a lot of these things do come back uh to to economics and in um neighborhoods having uh, the ability to have jobs and transportation to those jobs. I mean, it's an education that, that's fair. And this is stuff coming up with childcare now. Um, I mean, one thing that people are concerned about is as COVID continues to, to really get going, we're going to see more people becoming um, addicted to different substances. Um, yeah. You know, because when people are struggling, you know, they oftentimes do, um, they fall into addiction. So it's, it's definitely something we're going to have to take a, a close look at going forward. I, I don't think we're going to be um, seeing a, a a drop in use, certainly during this period. It doesn't seem like it anyway. If you could wave your hands and just pass like a comprehensive law or a series of comprehensive laws to change it, just based on what we saw in this in this film or this series of films, what would you do? Like, where would you start? You know, if I had to really think it through, I think the first part is, 
you know, making sure that the areas where we have legalization actually have um, more support. I mean, one of the things about the, the weed business is you are actually not allowed to put your money into a bank. Right. Um, that on its own is like a crazy amount of danger you're putting people in. And also when they start going through the amount of taxes people had to pay, I just didn't realize how, I mean, cause basically what they were saying is you actually lose so much money. If you go legal, it's crazy because of all the taxation and, and basically, you know, big corporations are just going to come in and buy up all the people trying to do it legit because they can't afford to, you know, even be in business. Um, and they were just talking about how basically you see, folks like in the tobacco industry in the in the alcohol industry just setting up shop in Canada just biding their time as federal regulations loosen they're going to come swoop in and try to buy all these smaller shops uh it was really huh. d- discouraging um i really hated to see that and i think there needs to be you know they need to be more fair to those businesses and and i think even that on its own would do a massive amount to help people understand what true regulation will look like. Cause right now it's restrained in such a way um, that we can't actually see how those businesses would look if they're truly given a chance to thrive. Yeah, that's interesting. I live in West Hollywood, which is becoming like Amsterdam. I mean, there are so many weed shops. Like I could go buy weed at 10 different places within a mile. Damn. Like no problem whatsoever. There's like the really nice one. There's like the okay one. There's like every gradation of it. Well, what, what's the difference in in a, a good one and a in a okay one? Um, well, I used to have two within a block of my work, and I went to two of them once because I was trying to get something for a friend who was dying. Okay. Um, because like I don't do anything, but I was mm-hmm. like, I'm gonna try to get this for this friend, and the one place you walk in and they're like, okay, can you just present your ID and here's one of our sales associates and they'll help you and just come over here. Okay. What type of hire are you looking so, for? It's just are so funny. For- like having never bought a legal place and just come <laughs> to West Hollywood, man. Come to West Hollywood. <laughs> it, it was like, here's one of our sales associates and they like quiz me and I had to pretend it was me because I was buying for somebody else. So they're like, are you looking for like a head hire? Are you looking for like, you know, like an overall hire, are you looking like to laugh? Are you looking to, you know, stay productive, but just be physically <laughs> relaxed? Like it was very precise and very like, I, this is like a really good doctor. This is really like a good experience. Um, and then I went to another one where they were like, you know, show your ID. You can't go behind the beaded, <laughs> the beaded veil. Um, <laughs> and it just felt like a little like, ugh. yeah, I'm going to go to the other one. Like the other one was real. <laughs> yeah, because hey, that once they can actually put their cash in a bank or at least like deposit some damn money, they won't be so damn stressed out when you go in. But but they were both better than when I was a kid, and <laughs> you went to a dude named Butter's house, and Butter was like, "This shit's the chronic," and you had no <laughs> fucking idea what you were buying, which yeah. I've also done, and which was, you know. Probably I mean, you're still not the here. best way to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're still here. So, th- so you know, I think I think Butters was at least trying to look out for you a little bit. He was a nice dude, but like, I don't know what was in that. I have no idea what was in that. Mm, so, yeah. I, I then again, he wasn't getting taxed at a ridiculous rate. Like, it it does seem weird when you tax weed at a higher rate than 
I'm probably sound like I'm a thousand years old and I'm like, weed, grass, but it is pretty weird when you tax it at a higher rate than say alcohol. Yeah. Right. You know what's weird though? I've seen people really trip when they drink alcohol. I'm talking about like really, really trip. Fuck yes. I, I have never, even to this day, <clears throat> seen somebody trip just off smoking weed. And I'm not like super pro weed type of person. It's just, I feel like every time I smoked and people around me smoked, we were still pretty, you know, we were good. We was chill. Yeah. We were good. But if we I'm was drunk, to... we were some damn fools. But see, that's the thing. I'm trying to actually think about <laughs> what's the maddest high person I've ever seen. Oh, right. Have I ever told y'all <laughs> a story about the time that girl was at my apartment and she got like super drunk that time? Can, is this a story we can tell while recording? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, it's, it's not. Right. She, she passed out, but but the point I'm making is that she had mixed like um, white and dark, right? Oh, that's a bad. Idea. Something as simple as that <laughs> just took her on a whole nother edge, right? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And and like we had we had you know we were all smoking and just having a good time. This girl then threw up all on my carpet and stuff. Oh. oh. Um, she had, she had stopped being responsive and we had to kind of oh god slap her around a couple times. My cousin <laughs> to clarify. Wake up. <laughs> <laughs> wake up. We're trying to wake up. We're trying to wake up. Yeah. But you know, eventually she woke up. But I was thinking to myself, man, I ain't never seen this happen nobody on weed before. Never. Nah, nah. Well, I look, I've seen people like well, they get so high, you just you know, they just fall out. But it, they don't start throwing up everywhere or nothing crazy. They just be asleep. Yeah, and they ain't like damn near not breathing. Like, you know. Nah, nah, I ain't I'm, seen none of that. It's completely non responsive. And it's just. Oh, I'm God. Like, damn. That, that told me a story. And then, like, I had a situation where I blanked out. Yeah. Like, I, I, I remember one night. I don't, have I told y'all about this? Told Aaron about this? I don't know. I mean, perhaps I don't know. It's literally part of why I left Memphis. Like it changed my whole life. Okay. It was like I thought I I literally thought I died. Oh man. And, and like, cause I I left. I was at I was at a um a bar. Okay. And so me and some people drinking. It's just alcohol. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody. I don't think anybody roofied me or nothing like that. But I remember mm-hmm. going to a strip club and I went by myself. Okay. I don't remember leaving the strip club. Hmm. I woke up and I was at a pole. I hit a pole. Oh, in your car? Yeah, my car was towed. And I was like, I remember it like it was yesterday because I was right in front of this Mexican church. Hmm. It was on Winchester. That is, how have you not made a a movie on this yet? I I don't know. Wait a minute, wait a minute. And keep it, we've been watching um, uh, I May Destroy You. And and you got a I May Destroy You story right there. That was definitely how I made the story of the story, man. And um and I still don't know what happened. That I don't know everything that happened that whole night. Hmm. But um uh, somebody came and, you know, helped me out and you know, we got the tow truck and everything. It it was a way better situation than what it could be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And and I don't know, like it, it's kinda like I guess one my point you even bringing that up is that we got stuff that's legal out here. Yeah. That'll yeah. make you blank out. <laughs> alcohol alcohol is the worst thing there is because like everybody not everybody but anybody can do it with impunity and it isn't really as looked down on or discouraged as almost any drug so it's like right. 
it, there's people who like if they pull out cocaine, you're like, oh my god, what is wrong? What are you? Are a freak? But they get completely hammered every weekend, and well, alcohol is incredibly destructive. And because it has a good lobby and because it has a good advertising, we all just accept that it's cool. And it's I'm, it's not. It's a fucking terrible drug. It is, and and you know, uh, th- I I don't have a story that that crazy, but I will say, I drink a case um of beer over like three or four days the other week and i'm still trying to get rid of that gut <laughs> it's happening but it it is it's you know once you pass 30 that gets a lot harder for some reason yeah um, metabolism is not what it used to be boy I had to like actually get a sweat going yeah no it was it was not good for me in any way and had to get out well, look, the one thing they don't cover in this is purple. And I tell you what, boy, that Memphis, whoo, saw people turn to balloons like, you know, like a month. You're like, God, what happened to you? Yeah, then, then you could have a, a struggle, a heart attack on this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be careful with, with that stuff, man. And, and and the thing, that's over the counter. Yeah, like, what so, was it? Well, look, I, I ain't finna tell people the concoction, but. Uh, <laughs> it's like, just be careful out there. Right, I'm trying to find all type of ways on the sun to get high. You know, like I, mean, I know there's, serious. I know there's people listening who are like, I've done that and I'm fine, and like I've done alcohol and I'm fine, and it's like, yeah, that's right. You don't have the brain chemistry that makes this very bad for you, or maybe you do and you haven't found out yet. But I mean, mm. it's funny mm. that you say this. I I heard a um. I don't know if this applies or this too religious, but I heard a pastor talk about something like that, like how, you know, some things, you know, we have is kind of passed on from generation to generation. Yeah. So nine times out of 10, if you have a particular struggle, somewhere down the line, you know, your your dad, your uncle, or whoever has yeah. a particular thing and, and you all just, you know, it affects you, you know, because like, some people, they do have alcoholics in their family. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. Or or whoremongers or you know, um, you know stuff like that because I I think about that like you you could put a drink if if my doctor told me like man you you have to stop drinking for the rest of your life or you'll die or you gotta stop smoking weed for the rest of your life or you would just die fall out and die yeah I would never touch a drink or smoke a blunt ever again in my life yeah but if he told me. I can't have sex no more. Well, I can't, you know, beat my meat or something like that. I <laughs> did. <laughs> everybody, just go. everybody has their own thing. And the funny thing is like, even though we all have our own thing, we look at everybody else's thing. You're like, well, that's sick. Right. Or like, well, you know, I would, I may drink all the time, but I would never do heroin because those people are sick. Or like, I would do, I would smoke pot, but I would never like do this because that's sick. And it's like, we just got to take the judgment and the stigma out of all of it. If we want to deal with it, if we want to help people deal with addiction, like addiction is mental and deeply rooted and as much a disease as cancer is. Mm, Yeah. I mean, we're, we're really far from um, collectively having that mentality. And, and, you know, I, I feel like, you know, shows like this can kind of help um, be part of kind of a, you know, a growing set of knowledge to, you know, 
get us away from having that stigma and also just understanding the consequences of, of um, all this stuff. Yeah. I don't, it, it's, it's really complicated. I'm, I'm, you know, definitely glad that, um, you know, it, it, I feel like some stigmas is, is it's not as strong as it used to be. Uh, but like you said, it's just something we're going to have to collectively continue to do. And, um, you know, it, it'll, it'll get there. And I'm, I'm glad that, you know, um, y'all have been able to look at stuff and, and feel like you're, you're making changes in your lives that get y'all away from, you know, being impacted by those things. I've been fortunate not to have that and despite having dabbled and stuff, but, um, you know, I've been able to kind of walk away if I needed to without, you know, too much craziness. And, and that's just, honestly, I think oftentimes just from people being able to share their stories and, and, you know, say, be cautious, be careful. And, you know, and, you know, do things in moderation. Um, that that has definitely been what stopped me from from you know going and access and just having people have my back and really look out for me. And I've definitely seen what happens to people when they don't have that. And so I've always been thankful to have friends like you guys and others who are able to like really kind of you know level things out and and you know make sure that you know stay level headed and have a good perspective on stuff like that. So. Um, well, you know. the the other side of stigma is like the allure. If you just make something illegal, people think it's cool. Like <laughs> I heard yeah. somewhere that the only the only bad thing about people who smoke a lot of pot is that they think it's really like mysterious and seditious that they smoke pot, and that everybody's <laughs> like always trying to catch them or something. And it's like no, nobody nobody really cares. Like it's just it's just like they don't they're not as into it as you oh i will say uh as it has become regulated more and more uh people um in older generations are starting to ask me questions about where to go oh yeah <laughs> like, oh yeah hey, am that's, i supposed to tell you this that's why i ended up buying from my older friend yeah, yeah. um but <laughs> yeah but i mean it's just take out the mystique and if it's it, it takes away the stigma and it takes away the mystique and just acknowledge like this is everything is a drug there are different types of drugs it's like caffeine is a drug alcohol is a drug cocaine is a drug marijuana is a drug like what do these different drugs do and let's just deal with them on an individual drug by drug basis and not act like some are affiliated with the devil and others are affiliated with decent holy folk it's mm -hmm. just well, you know, the drug we haven't gotten to, and I think we can close probably near this one, even though we don't, there's probably not a whole lot to say on this yet, even though the science is starting to come out. Uh-oh. Social media. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm not even saying that as a joke. Like that, that's something that people are really starting to, to understand a little more, how it's like, oh. in, like impacting our brains and, and, and just how, it, how it's reshaping democracies and all kind of shit. It's really interesting how it's, it, it's impacting all of us. It's definitely a drug. It's um, yep. I, I read somewhere they call it a silent drug. Yeah, because it's definitely something that you wouldn't consider to be a drug or an addiction. But I see so many people they can't go, barely go fifteen minutes without looking at social media. You they know, say yeah. something like dopamines and all this stuff. I mean, I I don't know the science behind it exactly, but yeah, that's that's what they reference specifically. I think it's I think it's very similar to like those feelings that you get with pornography, and I think that's why like mm. most porn sites are similar to social media sites. They have comments stuff. They got so many like you know those little short snippet videos and all of that, and those are like these little small dopamine hits that you keep getting. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many of those little dopamine hits that like reassure you that you're a good person or you're 
Mm-hmm. You know, and and, they, and they, they send you ads to tell you that. Actually, let me give you guys a real good example because I shared this in a group chat with some people. I yeah. went, this is some geeky shit I'm about to say, but this is literally what happened. I opened my YouTube app yesterday. I was interested in watching some One Piece theory. So One Piece is a manga. Mm-hmm. Um, I opened my app and at the top of it, and I'll see if you guys can see it. Oh, no, Zoom isn't showing it properly, but I'll, I'll even send you guys a picture later. So I opened the app. I'm ready to look at some some geeky manga theories on what's going to happen next and some real cool manga I'm reading. First time I open the app, at the top, before the video, the very top thing, it says, it has a picture of Joe Biden, and it says, don't interrupt us while we destroy America. <laughs> Andrew Clavin show. And I'm like, I'm here to, to look at geeky manga stuff. I don't care about this. I close the app because I'm annoyed, and I'm like, I'll come back to this. So like, an hour later, I'm like, all right, fine. I'm ready to go back and watch the video. I open it up. Same from the same people. Uh, this thing's called the Trump and Freedom Agenda, by the way. That is the um, <laughs> where it's coming from. Uh, now it's it's the same little like uh, graphic design, and now it has a picture of Trump pointing, uh, giving a thumbs up to Lady Liberty, and it says Trump and the Freedom Agenda. Also, the Andrew Clavin show. And I'm like, I'm just here for manga. I feel like this is the most press that Andrew whatever show has ever gotten. I I wonder I wonder <laughs> is it is it also like you know picking up on the stuff that you normally look at because no, I no I get, no 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 these I don't look at political stuff like literally when I use that app I purposely am signed out so no, I don't see that stuff. Yeah, it's either no. it's either dead on or it's like completely off. It's either like advertising the type of headphones I'm using at that moment from like how did they do that. That was incredible. Or it's like, can we count on you to support President Trump in 2020 with a $5,000 donation? And I'm like, but I'm getting pumped. So, like, absolutely I'm, not. <laughs> I'm getting pumped for like, whether it's a comedy video, it could be a video game, video, anime, whatever it is. Like when I look at it, I'm getting a bunch of Biden Trump stuff. And I'm not even really there for that. I'm trying to like escape looking at that. And I'm being bombarded with it just because they're paying for ads to do that stuff. Well, they're trying to get anything that you have a strong emotional reaction to. Exactly. To just yes. get your email and harass you about other shit yeah yeah but, it, but it's funny though because i don't get no political stuff like period and, and maybe i just over but they do about about where you're located too though yeah because like the majority of advertisements i get is like fitness stuff yeah. so and, and, it, and i do i wonder I'm, i don't know if i wonder i know for sure that it, a lot of it has to do with what you search and what you look on like on a daily basis i'm assuming it can, but I'm telling you, I don't type in anything political on YouTube at all, ever. Dude, it is, I, but it's Google though. Yeah, I but Google. I'm not. But I'm saying I'm not even signed in to in my YouTube app no, at all. So like, what I search on my <laughs> phone when I'm signed in is different from what has it. Oh, oh, this will go down a huge rabbit hole, unrelated to what we've been talking about. But it, it's not connected. Is I guess what I'm getting at. Like they're just sending me that ad because they pumped enough dollars in to do that. I have Googled every cult and every serial killer. Like if, if I'm ever accused of a crime and they search my Google history, I'm getting convicted because my, the way I fall asleep is to like find things that are like overwhelming and that I can't even think about. So I'm like, how many people did Ted Bundy kill? And then I'm just like, <laughs> and they're like, like he's Dexter in Boston and I'm LA. Like, I'm, just like, <laughs> I'm just like exhausted by <laughs> I'm exhausted by thinking about it, and I just I'm like I'm going to sleep. Forget it. Oh man, that's funny. 
Oh, well, I guess we can close there. Goodness, that's a good serial killer, Tim, here. Um, so, <laughs> you at, least I'm not a, at least I'm not a fitness freak like Keith. That's yeah, Keith. Sick. I, would, I wouldn't even say that, but that's what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> they make me seem like. Well, they, they, they definitely trying to get my vote, man. Goodness gracious. Um, if y'all enjoyed getting this far, and clearly you enjoyed whatever the heck we've been talking about with, with drugs and, and – our, our addiction issues um please rate review share, share the episode um and join us again next thursday when we get to the next shindig um whatever it happens to be we haven't made a decision on it yet but uh, we'll find some some good uh content uh i, I really am excited for uh, something we're going to get to eventually maybe not by next thursday but there's some really cool stuff that uh, we're going to try um, that's not in the normal platforming um, the, or platforms we've been using during COVID and elsewhere. So um, yeah, uh, full disclosure, the ongoing tension of the entire podcast is that Aaron wants to talk about Peacock and I, that's not, no, not, no, 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 do not Peacock. Talk about Peacock. <laughs> I'm not even talking about Peacock or Quibi right now. <laughs> no, no, no. The, 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 the entrepreneurial stuff. But, oh, that's good. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, anything else before we close? <laughs> no, love you both. Appreciate good to talk about this stuff. Um, we can talk about Peacock. It's cool. Yeah. Man, I'm not pushing for Peacock. If they come out with something <laughs> good enough for us to, to take a look, we'll take a look. Although my son got to see Jurassic Park through Peacock <laughs> for the first time. Hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely Uh-oh. hilarious. He's walking around like trying to eat kids as a raptor now. <laughs> So that's been great. The the neighbors hate it because he's jumping everywhere. But <laughs> what kind yeah. of dinosaur is he? And then a Velociraptor. Oh, cool. Okay. Remember the two kids? They you know the kitchen scene. Blah blah. blah. He don't <laughs> like the T Rex scene that much. It's a little too much. He was like, uh, "Daddy, Daddy, Daddy, anything else?" <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, he he watched it though, but he he don't want to rewatch it. <laughs> say oh that. man, not not that moment anyway. Um. But yeah, we'll we'll get it y'all on the next one, man. Appreciate y'all rocking with us all the way through. Cool. Peace. Peace. Peace.